Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Todd the Moustache. Hello. I have Scott the Moustache. And I have Ash the Moustache. Hello. And tonight... Where's your moustache? I have a moustache. I can't grow them. Uh, tonight we're going to Do you call it a moustache in England? Or do you call it something else? Yeah. Yeah, what do you call it? It's English, Scott. You you took it from us, remember? You always have some <laughs> weird name for stuff. <laughs> I think Bob's got some funny names for his moustache. Here, use a moustache. 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 Tonight we are going to be talking about uh, MVCs. Is that what they, the guy called it as well? Motor Vehicle Collision? We call them MCIs. No, we don't. Sorry, we call them MVIs. And this is how it starts. Um, we call them MVIs. Um, somebody else, some other people call them uh, MVCs. We used to call them MBAs. Uh, we did use to call them But there's no such thing as an accident. We were told. Not. That's Apparently what we were told. Not. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, uh, a car yeah. accident. Is what I think mean, it kind of is MVAs. A vehicle yeah. accident. <laughs> they do for us now, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that. A gentleman asked us to go over that, mm-hmm. so that is what we're going to talk about. We haven't talked about it in a long time, so um, let's, uh, let's start out with... Um, the windshield survey because we always talk about the windshield survey and uh, it's something that we all should be doing especially if you're looking for an officer position regardless everybody should do it anyway when you have the opportunity but it is the first thing on the cards as soon as you roll up to any scene especially when it comes to an MVI so Todd you want to take that? Yeah sure yeah so we've talked about in the past like it's super important um, when you're in the truck or whatever rig you're in when you're responding to these is is Right away, we wanted to kind of turn our mindset to what we're responding to. So you already have a little bit of the picture painted of, you know, what it is if it's a single vehicle rollover, single vehicle MVA, unknown, or confirmed entrapment. Generally, a dispatch will give you a rough idea of what it may be. You know, half the time, it's wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> not the dispatch is being generous, but but, yeah. it, but it's a general idea. So right away, and, and usually in our areas, we know the roads very well, so... You start painting that picture, that that image in your head of the location, where it's at, yeah. you know, and what's around it. Um, and it's not just the officer that needs to be doing this windshield survey. Is everybody in that truck should be doing their own as well. As we're approaching, we always talk about, you know, talking to your team. Okay, hey guys, this is what we're looking for. Um, you know, start doing out jobs. But uh, back to the windshield survey, like when I'm rolling up on scene, if I'm in jump, I'm looking at. Okay, location of where the vehicle is on the road, if they're on the side of the road, um, if it's on the side, if there's occupants out, I'm looking for everything we talk about. So fluids, uh, poles, water uh, wires are hanging, uh, so you're not parking uh, your truck in a bad spot. Like if it's a blind corner, road conditions, how many patients as you approach. So all of this is happening so fast and fluidly, um, generally within seconds, we just tend to do it. Um, so that's what we refer to as a windshield survey. Um, and at the same point, as I'm doing that in jump seat, I'm picturing, okay, 
this is what I'm seeing, and right away I'm thinking, well, this is what I'm going to be needing out of my crew. Are we going to be needing cribbing? Do I yeah. need a line out? Do I need to block the road? Can I pull off to the side of the road? Like, all this happens within seconds. Um, and then I want my team in the back doing the same. I want them picturing, okay, I see the vehicle. I already have an idea what my role is going to be, whether I've tasked them, okay, you're on cribbing, you're on traffic, you're on tools, what have you, right? So we want them already visualizing their roles when they get there. Scott? and uh, Yeah, and I think back to the officer, if, if there's an officer that goes direct just by himself, um, that windshield survey, you can almost do it, it takes you a little bit longer because, you you know, you're not, uh, I mean, because you're by yourself, so it's not like you can really, you can't extricate. You can't mm-hmm. do cribbing. Mm-hmm. So I always find I'm, I sit there for an extra couple seconds. Yeah. You know, people are looking at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> but you're sitting there looking at everything and you make a radio call to the truck that's coming um, mm-hmm. to tell them what, what you can see right now. Um, you know, if someone comes up and says, yeah, everybody, everybody's out, everything's fine. Okay, we're, we're going to need traffic control. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, if somebody's trapped, cars on, or cars on fire, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that, that, that initial officer, that's why I, th- ever since we went, I mean, we've always had officers go direct, but ever since we went to an actual truck with lights that goes direct, mm-hmm. we get there a lot faster. Yeah. We get to onto that scene a lot faster and we can start setting up that, that safe, that safe zone to start working with yeah. that truck. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. Actually, when you're, if you're just arriving in that first rescue truck or engine or what have you, or ambulance, um, you know, you're, you're doing that assessment <clears throat> in the seat. However, when you're now in an officer truck or, you know, we call them PRUs or a single response unit or something in the EHS world, um, it's huge to, like you said, stay in the vehicle, pause, continue your assessment, even though you're in park, get that communication of what you're going to need and require before you're stepping out. Um, Two reasons. One, it gives you that kind of breathing space to stop, pause, take it all in to see what you need. And we're, just, we're not talking, I'm not sitting in there for three minutes. No. This is literally a matter of probably 20 seconds. Yeah. Especially by that time, somebody's not going to give a no. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, no. And, I get it. I know, I know there's an accident. I got it. <laughs> and, and, and it's good. I mean, many times I've I'm had here. to, yeah, many times I've had to say, okay, one second, yeah. finish my conversation on the radio, then roll my window down or open my door and say, hey, what's up? And then they'll either start rattling on yeah, rattling on yeah. a bunch of random shit that I don't yeah. need to know yeah. and then you have to stop and redirect them and ask some very specific questions then oh yeah thank you just a minute then maybe relay something back if it's important if not mm-hmm. then get out in, in your portable and start yeah. your 360 it's uh <clears throat> that initial that initial windshield survey is one of the most important tasks and like you said just taking that minute we talk about it a lot with all the different things that we discuss Take a minute, look around, make a call, right? Like, mm-hmm. just go through that process. Make sure that you understand what you're getting out and stepping into, um, as well as what's actually going on on scene, so you can inform the vehicles that are coming to then be able to give them more information to be able to start building that plan. Yeah. Because having that structure and that idea of what you're coming towards is invaluable when you're in the back of that truck trying to set up the the initial scenario piece. Absolutely, and it even goes one further, like. I feel like anybody who's been, you know, in that role, you do it. You take it for granted. You just, you just do it naturally. Um, but for people who are new to the role who are learning it, these are all the little things you need to be looking at. And that comes back to where the wind is. Is it what type of vehicle it is? Is there a placard involved? And that's why we don't want to jump out of the truck and go running in to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want to sit and pause for a second. Okay, is there smoke? Is there something else? Is there hazardous materials? You know, which is the wind direction? Am I parked in the right spot? 
Um, and sometimes it may be very obvious and other times it may not be. I mean, I think we've all been on scene where you first park and then a few minutes into the incident, oh shit, we need to move the rig. Right? Right. I think parking is a really good thing uh, to think about when you're approaching. And if it's a single vehicle rollover, whatever it might be, a little bit less important to make the scene safe. But if it's rush hour traffic and there's a line of the cars going north, a line of the cars going south, I mean, clearing that scene like prior to the engine or yeah. to the rescue truck arriving, um, I mean, there's there could potentially be cars five feet from the accident. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to park? Where is EHS going to park? Where's your rescue? I mean, it's useless if you can't get the apparatus to the people as well. So, I mean, that's something really good to look at when okay. you're approaching because you probably have a, a few minutes of time prior to you. So you're useless if you can't get your your guys and your equipment there quickly. You know, and one thing in our area that we've been using a lot lately is our is our cut roads. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of, and, and right away now, we just we just call for the second, you know, we, we may only need one unit. Maybe, maybe we need two units, but we'll always call for like, even we ask for the bush truck now. Bush yep. truck's not a, a pumper. Mm-hmm. You know, bush truck with one or two guys, let's block the highway and we'll do a redirect. Because there is, yeah. you know, in, in our area and probably in your area too, yep. there's, there's always little roads that we know yep. that they can, it's easily redirect the traffic around. You know, delaying some people is fine, but people eventually get pissed off and they'll start mm-hmm. cutting through your, mm-hmm. your emergency scene. So why not make that scene just... Super safe by blocking the road on either end, just yep. shutting the highway right down and having people go around. And again, it depends on it depends on the scene. Like again, depending if your second and third units are arriving very quickly and you're still doing your scene assessment, you may find out, you know what, yeah, we're not needed here. It's gonna be cleared off the road in a few minutes mm-hmm. or it's super minor. I'm gonna we'll be here for 15, 20 minutes for the ambulance and then you know, then we start opening up traffic. Yeah. So just by having that other truck maybe stage a little bit further down the road at that intersection to start redirecting, you can still call them for it because they're still technically staged. Yeah, right from that yep. scene. But back to you, like you were saying, Ash, like the parking is so key because if you don't take that that proper spot, that real estate gets taken up fast. Next oh, yeah. thing the yeah. police car arrives, the ambulance comes in and parks in the wrong spot, right? So you want to be able to get that real estate and save it for those other apparatus to come in and exit easily, especially when yeah, you go to think the analyst is going to need to move. And depending on your highway, if we're just on a two-lane highway, mm. where are you parking? You know, lots of guys tend, I find, tend to park, as we're approaching the scene, park on that side. It could be a lot better off going past the scene mm-hmm. and parking in that oncoming lane. Again, it's that, that placement of your apparatus is huge. But then if you have cars nose right up to that other scene, okay, great. Traffic already stopped. I don't need to be on that side. So mm-hmm. now I can take up real estate in the southbound lane or what have you, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think one of the big things there, and I want to make sure that everyone heard it too, is the, the diversions piece. Because we, we, for example, we know there are a couple of locations in town which are key locations for MVIs. Mm-hmm. We, if we get one, normally it's in those locations, just bad corners, whatever. And these things are fairly common. So we know the rights and we know where to set mm-hmm. up the blocks for Having that idea, having the knowledge of your town and the specific portions of those areas that are dangerous ahead of time, again, that pre-plan option, and knowing what you're going to do with traffic, knowing where you're going to stage vehicles. And you can have that as, as again, your, your pre-plan knowledge of the accident's going to be on this corner. 
here are where we're going to need two placements. Everything in between there will move when we get there with the initial vehicles and the officers that are on scene. But everything else gets set up as standard every time. Because to me, as an officer, when I get there doing that, a lot of pressure gets off right away because I don't have to worry about, you know, 300 cars lining up and people are ah, honking their horn. Not mm. that people live that often, but, but you know, the pressure is gone because now we're, we're kind of clearing that scene. And it's mm-hmm. totally becoming safer because now cars aren't driving through your scene and mm-hmm. cars aren't trying to get by and, you know, semi-trucks aren't, like, blasting their uh, air brakes, like, like, trying to stop. Like, we're setting up. Um, one thing we're doing now is a lot of times we hand the, not even hand the keys, we, we tell one of the members that shows up that isn't needed for auto extrication to grab the duty truck and drive it on the road and set up uh, scene security mm-hmm. for us, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, a couple hundred yards on the road. And then we just start killing cars off and finally we have this huge area open mm-hmm. that is now safe for us. And whether we need it right away or not, it's, you know, I know paramedic. I think the paramedics appreciate having a good space to work. I know the police love it. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I just, we just go up to the police and say, hey, we're shutting the highway down. They're like, cool. <laughs> so we shut the whole highway down. It's like, they don't, they're not going to be like, no, you can't do that. They've never once said, don't do it. They just said, yeah, sounds good to us. Like, and I think there was a time where we were a little bit more gun shy to do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And now we're like, yeah, shut it down. Yeah. If it's 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. No, no. The problem it, it comes back down to it, it's it's the safety of the people in the incident and ours, right? Like, and we've all been on that scene where there's only one truck or one ambulance, and it's horrible because you don't have enough vehicle space to safely block what you need. And now, what does everybody look at? They don't look where they're driving. They're, they're looking, looking at the scene, mm-hmm. right? So there's been so many near misses. Near misses like, I've climbed out of the cab with the ambulance and almost had my door taken off, right? Yeah. Because people just don't care. Yeah. They fly by mm-hmm. when they're looking somewhere else. So, and, and I think we've all had people literally weave around oh, yeah. the, the scene <laughs> and drive right through it. Yeah. And that's why that initial setup of when there's just that one emergency vehicle there sucks. It's hard. So, if you can block everything off as best you can yeah. and show your intent that, no, fuck you, traffic stopping, <laughs> I'm parking across the lanes. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can move it, make some space after, yeah. but it, it's important. Yeah. But, and on that same note, sorry, is um, when you do that, do that. If you arrive in an engine or a rescue truck, make sure there is enough room just for two lane highways for the ambulance to sneak around. Yeah, because sure. you always don't know; they may not be coming from the direction you're thinking of. You know, and this last year we got a uh, so we, not only do we have an officer truck, like a duty truck, we also have a uh, chief's truck, a chief chief's vehicle. And I know there was some pushback for a little. Like, what do we need that for? You know, they weren't sure, but that thing has been invaluable because now the chief drives, and then uh, as we arrive on scene, usually we're we're pretty damn close to each other. And uh, radio, hey, Bob, you take the far end, north end, I'll take the south end, or yeah. vice versa. It's a huge asset. Freaking yeah. Sh- yeah. whole highways, like, like so let's just block the highway until we yeah. sort of mess out, or at least mm-hmm. see how much we can sort out, and then we can readjust and do single lane alternating mm-hmm. or whatever. There's a lot of departments, <laughs> actually, that... Um, repurpose their old apparatus. They strip them of a lot of their gear and their pumps and stuff for weight, and they put on um, a lot more placards and mm-hmm. directional traffic signs. So when they roll an MVA, that is their second truck out. Mm-hmm. So right. that is parked way back to create that buffer, that yeah. safety zone, right, for your lane, for your lane management, mostly on freeways and stuff, yeah. for sure, major highways. Uh, so people can see that. Then if somebody hits that, no one cares. <laughs> it's the whole truck out of the way, and you got that big safety zone in front of you. There's a lot of departments that are doing that now. Right. I think uh, that that fear 
And like you said, Ash, you know, I, we we used to not be as kind of you know pulling the trigger on it. We used to just have it open, and then we had those discussions of mm-hmm. just close it down. Like mm-hmm. there's there are other ways around. It might take somebody three extra minutes to travel around that direction that we're going to force them, but ultimately we are safer. The patients mm-hmm. are safer. That pressure, like Scott had mentioned, goes away. But the extra space that you get and the value of that, because again, when we talk about that, we also talk about the zones. And, you know, you've got your hot, warm and cold. So let's let's touch a little bit about that as well, because, again, that expands depending on how large the scene is initially. So That's right. You want to touch on the, the zone pieces there? Yeah, for sure. And I think you just nailed it there. So your, your hot, warm and cold zones can change as the scene progresses and where you're working immediately can change uh, or should change. As well, again, if there's traffic backed up everywhere, you might have to get yourself up and start your initial uh, scene setup in the warm zone already until you can alleviate some of that pressure from those vehicles and get yourself back, and now you've created a big cold zone. Uh, I think you've got a pretty good picture, uh, which uh, we should get out there, uh, of a, uh, or the video, sorry, of the uh, hot, warm, and cold zone. So your car is going to be the hot zone. Your uh, incident is going to be the hot zone. And then back back yourself up. I don't know what the actual distance is, 20, 20, 30 feet, whatever. It, it, depends, on, it depends on it's the very, very fluid, right? Give yourself another 20, 30 feet. Now you're in the warm. Back up again. Now you're in the cold. So everything that's not immediately working should be staged out towards the cold zone. Uh, you can get all of your tools dropped down in the warm and then get, get all the work done up at the vehicles in the uh, hot zone. Yeah. There's actually a good reminder. <clears throat> There's nothing worse in managing a scene with not enough apparatus when it's like a two or three or more car MVA. Mm-hmm. Might be minor patients, but now you got shit spread out through the whole highway. You got one car in one location and the next car is 200 feet down the road. That is your scene. That's a huge scene now that yeah. you're trying to control. So depending on, like that first car might be very minor, but slope could be in the way of the highway. So we're automatically drawn to that car that may need that extrication further down the road. So that one apparatus is going to naturally go up to that one. Mm-hmm. And now technically your scene is still back there. Yeah. yeah. So we got to be thinking about, hey, next apparatus, boom, get down there. That's why it's really helpful with, like you said, you got the two light um, trucks, so mm-hmm. the duty officer truck and then the chief truck. For having those just for a quick scene response and creating that that work area is yeah. huge. Yeah. So <clears throat> we've obviously we've arrived on scene. We've done our windshield survey. We've informed the arriving apparatus what the scene is and what's going on. We've got a better and clearer picture of what is happening, and we've shut everything down. So now we're in a position where we need to start going to work. And the one big key factor that still I believe. Uh, doesn't get done enough, not necessarily in our department, but from some of the things that I've seen, um, and maybe us too, you know, maybe we get a little bit shy on it on occasion as well, is cribbing and stabilization. So mm-hmm. let's let's have somebody take on that. Yeah, and I, you know, the cribbing should always come out, but, you know, sometimes I'm like looking at the vehicle, you know, it's, I remember there was one that was like wedged, <laughs> wedged underneath like a wire, and the wire was like pinning, not, not a live wire, like a cable. Uh, yeah, like a, Guy wire. Mm-hmm. It was like the thing wasn't moving, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we extricate the patient. Someone's like, "Hey, we should crib that." It's like, well, that's pretty good cribbing, because <laughs> yeah. really the cribbing is to make sure it doesn't shift and move when we're trying to do extrication. So, yeah, I mean, 
cribbing's always in the back of my mind. I know when we're on the truck, when I'm in the jump seat and the officer seat, we're always like, who's doing the cribbing? And someone puts their hand up. Okay, cool. They're handling the cribbing. And then we get there, it's like, okay, does this actually need to be, are we going to spend the time to crib, or are we going to we going to actually get the patient? Are the tires already flat? Are they already sitting like fucking like right on the ground? Is, is anything moving? So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to go up and start shaking the car, <laughs> but you can still check. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to always, you know, have cribbing in the back of your mind, but I, mean, I know sometimes we don't crib. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, not every incident is going to require cribbing. Uh, I think it, it really depends on on the patient's conditions, mm-hmm. what is required, if they're still in the vehicle, if they're getting out of the vehicle. Um, if we're using any tools to start pulling metal, then sure, we need right. to yeah. be considered of the vehicle stabilization, whether we're introducing that stabilization or if, like you said, it's already up against something, if yeah. it's good enough. Yeah. Um, the one thing we should be doing, though, is is wheel chalking. Chalking the wheels. Right? Yeah. Chalking the wheels of every vehicle, no matter what. And that comes back to electric vehicles, everything. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we talk about making them safe. And these electric vehicles now, you don't know if they're still on. You don't know if they're in gear. Right. So yeah. we want to be making that patient contact, chalking those wheels, and then trying to make sure it's in park and off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one thing just coming to mind here. We should have some just cheap shitty wooden trucks kicking in the officer truck. That would yeah. be weird. You know, yeah. That's yeah. something when I you're made going, some going up there doing four by fours yeah. with a little strap on mm-hmm. our other engine on yeah. mine that I always end up going to because lots of times we'll get there depending on the location of the MVA mm-hmm. before the rescue truck, and right. that's the one thing we can do rolling up in the engine with Absolutely. those tools on it mm-hmm. is just at least throwing those out. Right, because like a simple door <laughs> door pop. I mean, anytime that you're going to be in there. And you are going to be cutting, spreading. Every every force that you put on that car is going to have a reaction yeah. some somewhere else. A simple door pop. I mean, you're just pop popping a couple hinges. There's not a lot of reaction to that. Yeah. Um, so again, like what Scott was saying, do you worry more about the patient? Get that door out of the way. See what we need to see. Because a lot of the time, you can't really see it. Is that foot well crushed? Can we get the patient out without doing any extra work? Uh, let's let's just get that door out of the way. Okay, so we've got some uh, chocks in there. The car's not going to go anywhere. We get that door off. Sure, shit. We got some some uh, crushed metal. We we got to do a dash roll. We got to do something. Okay, now let's get some some extra cribbing in there. Yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> the the other big the other big portion here as well is obviously uh, patient care. And patient care in these situations is uh, one of the most important, I mm-hmm. think. Obviously, in those situations, what we try and do in the situations and scenarios that we can is we try and get someone inside the vehicle, if it's safe to do so, mm-hmm. so that they are close to the patient. Not only are they able to do the assessment of the patient and whatever the, the situation is there, but then they can also be there with them through what's going on because mm-hmm. we've all been near that. Like when those bumps and bangs are going on, when mm-hmm. you're starting to break and bend and crunch metal, if you're mm-hmm. inside that vehicle and you've never been in that situation before mm-hmm. and you've never heard those sounds, especially after what you've just been through, mm-hmm. it can add to the trauma. Well, so we, just, put, we put soft protection over them, right? So they can't yeah. even see. And then so let's talk about that. Things are getting ripped apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, just before we go on to that, like back to proving and patient extrication, again, when we start talking about new car technology, like we can roll up a scene, these cars are destroyed. The patient's condition might be extremely minor. You know, when we start talking medical stuff and C-spine control and things like that, like our rules have changed up here in North America so much now 
Um, it's not like the old days where we're clamping on the C-spine and they can't move the person and have to get a longboard in and extra, like, there's a lot of variances now. Mm -hmm. So again, back to our cribbing, like, you might not have to do a whole lot, even yeah. if it's just a simple door pop, like you mentioned, like, yeah. as, like that little bit of movement is going to be okay if we're just gaining access to get them out. Yeah, like, like you said before, uh, you know, like if, if he is, if their, if their spine or their you know, neck is in such a delicate way that it, that moving the door, moving the car two inches is going to, is going to, is going to set it off. Yeah. I, I ride an ambulance <laughs> or, or load in the, I load into the, you know, all that loading and moving and shuffling and, you know, putting the ambulance, driving to the hospital. Yeah. It's going to go, like, it's going to go anyways. <laughs> yeah. And back to the, like the RTAC course that we took, like yeah. when we talked about extrication principles and techniques and stuff, like. There's a lot of evidence now that they've come out of the UK and stuff that, you know, any sort of trauma to the uh, cervical spine <clears throat> is already done. Yeah. Like that so little bit of movement. You're not going to whip your neck around and talk to the. I yeah. mean, obviously, <laughs> if we have some mm -hmm. obvious spinal deficit stuff, then we're taking extra care. Yeah. But again, then that's going to be way more in depth. In it. And the medics yeah. and <clears throat> the firefighters are going to be able to see that right away. Yeah. You know, uh, back to the new car technology now, yeah, the car will look destroyed, but the person sometimes, mostly will be usually fine because of that technology. I was, uh, when I was away this, like, on vacation, we were at uh, one of the hot springs, and yeah, we were getting changed, and uh, I hear these two old boys talking about, well, you know, back in my day, those cars were made out of metal, and these these pansy cars nowadays, as soon as you get in an accident, your car's destroyed and you're dead. I'm like, going to be like, I was going to be like, actually, <laughs> that's not entirely true. Because <laughs> in the old days, yeah, you'd get knocked around inside the car. You'd be a freaking scrambled leg inside the car in yeah, your you car where you could drive away, but you could not drive it away. <laughs> you, were, you were the crumple zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and again, back to the extrication principles. Um, like we talk about with our attack, and actually I just pulled up because it remembered me the the samurai laser. Remember Which I one? don't remember the acronym at all. Yeah. But samurai I remember, laser. I remember samurai you mentioned it. I remember on the episode. Yeah. Actually, well, yeah. that's why I had to pull it up because I remembered that terminology when we talk about <laughs> okay. you know, samurai laser. When you're actually extricating somebody, like there's there's different categories to extricate and the speed and then the angles and how you would want to pull them out, right? Mm -hmm. So with the samurai laser, uh, that stands for good old acronyms. Uh, so you got your mode, your speed, and your route. So, S is self, is under mode, A is assisted, M is for manual. So, those are our modes of extrication. So, they, they can get out on their own. Yeah, self. get on their own itself. Assist is, it's like, hey, hey, can I open this door and help you out? Yeah. Or, you know, here, let's put a collar on you and get you to stand out. Or, if we're putting a board under, right? And then manual um, is like, we're going to extricate you. Manual tools. is extrication, yeah. And then, of course, the speed, that's the next thing. So, the, the urgency of it. So, the U is obviously <laughs> urgent. And then... The RA stands for the rapid extrication, and then the I for immediate. Right. I can't remember, Dr. Nick will kill us, I can't remember the actual time frames that they put with that. I can't remember, was this during RTAC or was this during the ATAC conference? I think this was oh, during this is the ATAC, 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 ATAC conference. This is the ATAC conference. Was it the yes. ATAC yeah, conference? Because yeah. we didn't run that in RTAC, so Nick's not going to kill us because it was just the <laughs> <laughs> But was yeah, this? so there's there's a certain, the time frames with that, so... There's the time frame set for, hey, guys, we need to urgently extricate this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, then there's the rapid and the immediate and then the direction, whether we're going vertical, right. out the side. Because uh, out the side, how we always used to do it, is the worst way to extricate somebody. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, the best so is turn vertical, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of that roof, pull them straight up and out. Yeah. 
Um, that takes, but then the time becomes a packet. Exactly. So it all it all ties in together. Um, and then back just to finish the acronym off uh, for the samurai laser, like saying that uh, the L is the and this is the root. How we're just we're talking about. So the linear extrication, the angled extrication, or the side extrication, or E for emergency, and then relocate. So with the linear angled and the side, of course. So the angle is we're talking. You know, the door comes out, you can pull them on a slight angle or, mm. out, you know, take that roof off, bring them out um, um, linear. Um, side is the worst way. So open that door, you know, the old school, board under the ass, pull them out, rotate them. Pull mm-hmm. them out. That, that way kind of sucks. And then the emergency. Which is the standard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then the, the emergency route and then the relocating. So now we're talking about moving metal and getting yeah. everything out. So. But yeah, go on the uh, ATAC group website and some good information. Send the send the screenshot over and then uh, yeah. I'll make sure it gets posted up as well. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I do remember that now, actually. I think the guy who was telling us about that, wasn't he the one that was doing the open heart surgery on the side of the road? He was, uh, Forrest, yeah, he was one of the Forrest? physicians. Dr. Yeah, yeah, it was a, again hell of a conference. If you want to see some of the notes on that, you can again scroll back through some of our pages or search our uh, our Facebook page for some of the content and video content that uh, we threw up around that. Yeah, that was good. That was a good trip. Um, yes, yeah, so patient care obviously, and like Todd just went through there for the the removal side of things. Um, let's also discuss um, one of the tools that we've used. Um, during, especially during winter, but um, one tool that you can you can pull out for yeah, these things. We pretty much pull out every call now, um, especially in an, in an incident where there is a possible ejection. So uh, you know the car, the the glasses. You know, obviously the vehicle's fully intact, doors are closed, and all the glasses still in. We probably wouldn't necessarily pull this out right away, um, but we pull out the thermal camera. And uh, the great thing about our rescue truck is it's got a nice platform to stand on. So, you know, the odd time I'll send a, I'll send a guy up or I'll go up and I'll grab the thermal camera and I'll climb up on top of the rescue truck because it's got a nice little platform to stand on. And we scan the area with the thermal just to see if, we can, if someone got ejected and landed or um, if we can see footprints. You know, someone got ejected, head injury, stumbled away, right? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, you know, they don't know where they are. They kind of stumbled off in the woods. Um, we've never found anybody that way, but it's a, definitely a good practice to get into. And we've, we've trained it in that we've, um, stood on top of the rescue truck and had, uh, in practice, we've had the vehicle down the hill in training and ran the thermal camera and we can see where patients are. Yeah. So, and it works, you know, night and day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's a really good one. Um, it works really well. Uh, like Scott said, especially <clears throat> when you do have those larger scenes and you're rolling up. It's a really good way just to kind of scour the the area around mm-hmm. because again we have run a training scenario where one patient was ejected further away and you need to be able to be in that mindset of, because maybe all the people there are so injured that they're not going to be able to tell you whether they had a passenger for sure and you know they're lying there they're critical but the guy like twenty feet down in the bush mm. could also be critical and That's if we right. don't know he's there then mm. there's a bigger problem right you know the Old Lee. Up. Oh, yeah. Lee. <laughs> Up, uh, uh, yeah. Yonder. <laughs> um, that was a great example of where that could have come into play. So we had a uh, pickup truck, uh, 
driving at a pretty healthy speed, uh, left the roadway. Uh, it was 150 feet yeah, off the road like in a swamp. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was like just brush and swamp and tall grass. And he landed perfectly in a field. <laughs> yeah. So after wheels, all, wheels of the, all of the rollover and everything came to a halt, it looked like the truck could have left the road 20 feet back. But it was 120 feet back. Them wow. Duke boys have been at it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I saw a game about that. How many, uh, <laughs> you had about 200 welding rods in there, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was like a stick welder, and it was uh, like everywhere in that truck. I'm like, like, there's welding, but I'm like, okay, this guy's not going to pay What's that guy? Oh, Metalhead or whatever. It's Pinhead? It's like Hellraiser. That could have been him. But it wasn't. But, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. He was fine. He was well, weird, but fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with, with all this grassland and everything, I mean, you're not going to see, especially if the guy was ejected and then landed somewhere in like it. rushes. no using, way. It yeah. was crazy. So again, yeah, we, we walked the upper bank and just did the entire scene and then dropped down and then kind of, once you've seen the path, you like walk 20 feet and there's a big indent and then another 20 feet and another indent. So you, you can kind of see the trajectory of the truck once it left the road and started to make its way. You kind of follow that along as well and mm-hmm. scan left, right, left, right. Thankfully, nothing, but... Uh, well, because even the police officer that arrived, um, she was like, is, is he the only patient? And I said, mm-hmm. as of right now, we believe so. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, how do you guys know? And I said, well, we were we ran the thermal counter over it. She goes, you guys have, like, the best toys. <laughs> goes, we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, that's, we got some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great tool in the toolbox to have. And for people mm-hmm. to think about, uh, many years ago, I responded to an MBA and... Um, it was actually a very old MBA, but it was the second time we were sent up to it. Uh, the first crew, it was a night crew, went up to it. Um, the police were there, bar was there. Yeah, no reason the vehicle. Yeah, we walked around, didn't see anybody. It's old, left. <laughs> we got a call back, daylight. So now it's on my shift. We rolled to it. Um, she was ejected, was about you know, 80 feet away from the vehicle passed away unfortunately at this point mm-hmm. um, not saying it could have been different who yeah. knows but again it's one of those tools i mean i know that department they felt awful mm-hmm. and if you just had that tool and the know-how to bring it out i mean mm-hmm. at that time those departments didn't really have them mm-hmm. either so it was fairly new yeah. uh, and going probably back nowhere time. near as like the no. new thermals are you you get way more range. There's a lot more sensitivity. Yeah. I mean, even going back the five five plus years to like our older units, they they were nowhere near what what mm-hmm. we have now. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe back then, if the technology was the same, mm-hmm. something that could have been picked up on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. can't look back. It's like like no, see, those guys feel feel terrible. Um, it's always quote nice thing to do is be, be able to say it's the if we knew then or if we had then what what we have now yeah. but but again it's, it's the importance of doing yeah. that that the search right mm-hmm. search, yeah. like think of how far somebody can actually fly mm-hmm. out of a vehicle and search those areas that you would never think somebody's going to be because there mm-hmm. could be there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I do want to I do want to circle back a little minute here and just go back to patient care and the protection because we mm-hmm. use yeah, two so types we do the yeah. soft and the hard protection I just want to talk about that a little bit so let's let's get into that there's a couple of really important things there so um, like I think Carl was saying we try to get somebody to go in inside 
the vehicle if at all possible. Um, even if the patient's not coherent at the time, every time that we're going to do something, move something, cut something, there's going to be a loud pop. We're talking through it. So that's really, really mm -hmm. important with uh, patient care. Um, even if they're not alert, they might still be hearing things, right? Yeah. So um, being in there talking to the patient, really, really key. Uh, if you're going to be putting over uh, a blanket or a tarp, some sort of a soft pro, it's, it's great to let them know, hey, we're just going to drape, drape, drape this over you. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not alert, if they come to and now they are alert and they can't see anything and they try to, and then now there's this blanket over top of them, they might really think that they're dead. Right? So talking through it's great. Um, so you think, oh my God, I'm already in the bag. Really? I don't want to be here. So put the tarp over that guy's head in the heart attack. Cause I said, yeah, that guy's expectant. Yeah. And they put the tarp over him and then, and I quietly, it was that final scenario, and I quietly yeah. went to somebody and I said, hey, can you guys, can you just go double check that patient? Because, you know, it's now after the... Yeah, you start getting into your so secondary. Can, you know, it's your so. secondary. So the guy goes over, he's like, why'd they put a blanket over this guy's head? I'm like, because he's expectant. I'm trying to like whisper it. He's like, I think he's dead. And, like, <laughs> and then like, of course we have the actors like, he's dead? Oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, sorry, just to wrap that up. So you, you do the uh, soft pro, you do a blanket, a tarp, just something to stop things that are going to be shattering, glass falling, glass, anything yeah. like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got pieces of uh, plywood, so, things like that. You could do plywood, you could do hard plastics just to stop any mm -hmm. sort of like metal popping in case it does fracture away. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, and if, tools slipping. If you're yeah. cutting, if you're going to be bending, Everything's under a lot of force now because it's not in its factory shape. Mm -hmm. So when you cut, it will eventually release and it's not just going to go pop and sit a couple millimeters away from where you cut it. It's going to shift mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that you have something there. Or just like Todd says, uh, if you're trying to jam the cutters in there and you slip off, it's a lot nicer to go thunk and hit off the hard pro than... Yeah. And we all know how, how our tools <laughs> yeah. tend to twist inward sometimes, too. Sure, right? sure they can. So we're always being aware of um, where, how far into that patient compartment they're going into. If we're using a hydraulic line or a battery operator, if you've got your line on, you don't want that line to pinch. Um, and then, of course, how far it's going close to the patient. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, as we know, that tool is going to twist inward, mm -hmm. but we know it's going to stop at some point. So that's why you need to keep an eye on it. And if, just, if it touches that hard protection... That still might be adequate. You might not necessarily have to pause and readjust because we've mm -hmm. got to think patient care of time, right? We want, yeah. This is why we're doing this is time. Um, so just, just to be aware of that. And just even jumping back for patient care stuff, like I said, communication is huge. Mm -hmm. We all practice. We tend not to talk to the patient in yeah. practices as much mm -hmm. as we should be because in real life, I don't know how many times I've been there and nobody's talking to the patient, yeah. right? especially when they start cutting with the loud noise and stuff because they're scared, a lot of them. So we really want to be calming, communicating with them. Hey, this yeah. is what's going on. And even before that step, as we're approaching back to our scene assessment, hey, sir, stay still. We're going to be with you in a moment. You know, start talking, painting mm -hmm. that picture of what's happening, finding out what their, their conditions are. Yeah. And then also at that point, how many patients do we have, right? Do we need more resources? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, depending on the, some fire services, may they might be in charge of the air resource as well. Are we going to be bringing in an air asset? Do we need an LZ? So again, mm -hmm. now where's your scene going? Right? There's a lot to be thinking about. That's right. Yeah. I know uh, everybody should try to become a patient, not 
in real life, but in the uh, in, <laughs> Sim, in, in Sims, yeah, because I've had times where they put the blanket over me and sit there, and you know, it's sitting there, and you get so get hot because you're in the blanket, smells just tr- holding sea spine on you, and you're sitting there, sitting there, and you hear all around you, and the next thing they pull the blanket off you, and you're sitting now in the open, and there's no car around you anymore. You're like, was pretty cool, mm-hmm. but I can see as a person, you'd be like, what? The pretty hell? unnerving. Yeah, it's pretty unnerving. Like we you know, know what's happening, yeah, and even like yeah. you know, Scott just said, you're like, oh shit. Where's the rest of the car? It's gone yeah, now. They pull right? the blanket away and you're suddenly out in the open. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know, like if you're not a firefighter that's now been, you know, training and now you're unfortunately in an accident, yeah. um, you're going to be hearing a lot of pops, a lot of bangs, a lot of creeps. I mean, these are noises that you yeah. have no clue about. You're like, what the hell is happening You've out there? you got to communicate so that to the person. So a lot of talk yeah. is key. And again, like we're diving into like the hardcore extrication stuff, but... Even to the minimal stuff, like, mm-hmm. door if, pop. It, if it's just a simple door pop, or maybe we can even open the door, but they, they can't get out for whatever reason, they have a broken leg, or they're yep. too sore, mm-hmm. um, it's that communication of, hey, this is what's happening, or maybe, yeah, you're going to feel the jar, or the, the car jerk, because we're jarring that door open just to gain access, but we yeah. might not need tools yet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's that communication of that patient is huge. And, um, and then with that, like, when we're talking about cutting any glass or breaking any glass, we want to make sure the patients are covered with the side windows. But anytime mm-hmm. we're actually cutting the windshield out, now it's laminated glass and all those fine shards. I think anything we're doing, if we're putting on um, a mask for our respiratory protection, mm-hmm. that patient needs something. That's right. So many times we've always just put on a uh, non-rebreather oxygen mask on the patient. It's not good enough. We need to do that. And then we need to be putting a mask over top of them as well. Because those fine shards of glass could still be getting in. So the common practices now, and for a while now, is whatever, even if they have oxygen on, we want another sort of protection over them. Well, in 2020, everybody's got a mask on now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they'll be, they'll be good. They're good. Yeah. Driving around alone, they're going to have it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the best and then way. even back to the, uh, the soft protection and the hard protection and stuff mm-hmm. is uh, when we start using Sawzalls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because a lot of times you might lose sight of where that tip of that blade is going. Sure. And... <laughs> You don't want to be using it all of a sudden. Oh shit! Was he stabbed in the shoulder thirty times? <laughs> right? He's How got to be aware. He's missing a head. Post, right? <laughs> he wasn't that way when we showed up. <laughs> I swear he was. What are you talking about? Yeah. I remember we flopped uh, one time. There was a car. Uh, it, was a, it was an SUV or minivan. It was up on the side, and we flapped the whole uh, brick behind the uh, driver's compartment with the sawzall. So I was like, mm-hmm. like running down the whole thing. To open it up and yeah. we're like, ooh. <laughs> and the person oh. inside's like, what the hell's going on? Especially if you're using an air chisel, right? Like air chisel is amazing. amazing. Yeah, the other lady. Like, like, literally right after our practice. Yeah, after that, <laughs> we had the exact same sim in yeah. practice. And then the next day we had mm-hmm. the same, like, if we, I think we took a picture of the two. We did. Yeah, it was really cool. It was one was, they were the same. But just running that saw, um, I know, I think Warren was in there talking to her. He was like, hey, yeah. it's going to be loud, yeah. but it's going to be faster to get you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the air chisel. I think it's like, ah! so loud, but <laughs> yeah, so well, effective. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the communication thing is by far one of the mm. biggest, and it was something that I was going to circle back to, so I'm glad you hit on mm. it. We tend to do it as, a, as kind of a two-piece. We have the discussion on the outside loud enough, and then the guy on the inside then relays that in a nice, kind yeah. manner mm. to the person. Okay, this is what we're going to hear, and then they make the call. We're good. Go, mm-hmm. and then we make the mm-hmm. we make the incisions, the cuts, or put the pressure on. Watch your language, for yeah. Christ's oh, sake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we as a service, I'll say, are terrible 
when we're alone, yeah. right? Like we've got foul language. Even like the most straight edge person mm-hmm. goes dark when they join the service. So, I mean, like you can be on scene on a structure fire, and you're hearing, "Holy shit! This shit's fucking rolling! This is crazy!" Yeah, well, they got a mask fire. on, so you usually can't. Right, so you can't <laughs> quite gauge as much. But you roll up to a pretty serious MBI. And you're like, holy fuck, this this guy's fucked. We have to get this happening. We got to yeah. get this kind of... I, but these people are still alive, potentially, and they're like, oh, I guess I'm And fucked. the only thing that left is their hearing. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> they might be fading in and out, and they're hearing the professionals show up, be like, oh, man, I think I might be fucked. Yeah. Like, this isn't it's, good, right? It's so, all patient care and we're providing shit together, service, yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. we preach that for a long time, and yeah. every, I believe everybody else does as well but it's something to always keep in mind and always reiterate with your crew is Mm -hmm. uh, I mean watch what you say we joke around a lot as a fire department Um, it's healthy it's It's healthy absolutely it's a coping mechanism Um, it's not the time to do it when you're right in the middle of it professional on scene you you gotta make sure you're using the right terminology Mm -hmm. like absolutely this patient's critical we need you know, mm-hmm. whatever type of extrication. Well, yeah. even uh, that last big sim we did up on the hill there, you mm-hmm. set up, and yeah. there was uh, two patients inside, and then uh, a third down in the tree line. Yeah. And uh, when I did the, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I triaged them. Mm-hmm. So one patient, I'm like, okay, uh, tourniquet, I tourniqueted it, uh, tourniquet worked, and then uh, check the other patient. I got one of the other guys to check the other patient, mm-hmm. uh, and then whoever the instructor was. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, uh, pulseless, uh, yeah. totally pulseless. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, that guy down, down there, what's he? And they relate back to me. I'm like, okay, so this is priority. We're this person, that person, that person last. And then I <laughs> someone comes out of the radio, like the guy's up top. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you getting the two out of the car first? I'm like, we're getting one out of the car. Why are we getting two? I'm like, one is expectant. <laughs> what? They're pregnant? They're pregnant? <laughs> 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 I'm like, no, they're expected. And they're like, oh. and then I hear like, and I'm 50 feet away because they're like where we've rappelled mm-hmm. down. And I hear that somebody go, I think that means they're dead. I'm like, oh, for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about some terminology yeah. in practice, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And we went over that. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely talked about that in the debrief. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, uh, you guys always say Code 4. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know when I'm from my, um, from my other uh, work, uh, when we were making a course for them, I, I specifically put that in there. I said, you know, if you come to an accident, you may hear paramedics and someone say code four. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're, they're, they're dead. Like they're confirmed, well, not confirmed, but they're. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but like the, the coroner didn't arrive yet, but like yeah. they're, they're, they're dead. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, you guys may hear that and that's what it means. So they're like, yeah. I'm like, cause that way you don't go like, what's code four mean? <laughs> it's like, and yeah. that's actually, that's a very common problem all over the place is not the the same terminology among services, right? And you find that a lot with other agencies versus law enforcement agencies, you know, code four, whatever is going to be something totally different. So that's why when we start talking about triaging and multi-casual incidents and stuff is, is our, you know, our color coding, right? You got your, your red, your, your greens, and your uh, your blacks, yeah. and like it's it's super important to be aware of what color means what. Yeah. Um, not saying every MVA you're going to be displaying that, but sure. generally the paramedics, if it's a large scale incident, we're relaying to dispatch. 
this is how many reds I have, this is how many blacks I have, this is how many greens I have. Like, yeah. It's just what we do. And then on scene, we might change our language. Okay, no, those two are code for, this is yeah. what's next, yeah. and go from there. Right. But again, then it's a smaller <clears throat> group. And generally, for us in our department, we all work very closely together. Yeah. So we're learning our terminology. Mm-hmm. You know, then uh, usually if, if it slows down or you know, the paramedics are working on them and they're, we've already done our job, yep. I know I'll try to go to the newest people. Be like, okay, so you'll hear them talk about code four and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is what it means. Because, you know, we don't teach that necessarily in practice. <coughs> yeah, but we, we see stuff and we're like, okay, if you have any questions, what's happening? Yeah. Just ask mm-hmm. one of us. And, yeah. I think <clears throat> just to kind of wrap this final piece up um, is the, the importance of running scenarios with live patients. Yeah. Like Scott had quickly mentioned there, be a patient in the vehicle if you can at times. If not, and you're running larger scenarios, you've heard us talk about it before. We approach the schools and the drama departments. We get them down to act. We have family members to act. Um, just to be those patients in those vehicles for those scenarios, it's huge. The, the change yeah. of your your normal dummy, your drag dummy, sat in the front seat of the car to a live person mm-hmm. and having to them not only communicate, but again, think about yeah. all of the different kinds Even of protections. Like having Absolutely. Other Although, uh, you know, I, I, I used to use this regular firefighter, but even then it was like, the guys it's were like, ah, they're poking you, and they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not actually hurt. Let's yeah. leave him. I was like, okay. So as soon as you put a joke halfway yeah, through yeah, the yeah, guys are kidding right? and stuff, but as soon as you turn it into like a family member or something, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, most guys take it pretty serious. Uh, there was a couple of times, you know, in the last scenario, one of the guys just started joking around. I'm like, hey, yeah. Let's, let's, let's this is a real thing. Yeah. It up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a massive change, an instant yeah. change, and one that you will find really makes you think outside the box. And even just back to your basic steps of hard protection, soft protection, talking back and forth, having those conversations, it doesn't feel as ridiculous because at this point now, there is somebody... A little bit of red paint yeah, mm-hmm. on their head, and you are actually going to need to f- protect this person. You mm-hmm. are about to cut the car right next to their head. It's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you now need to protect that person. Mm-hmm. So doing that is a massive thing. So if you can do it, it's worth the time, and it definitely adds value to the experience. Yeah. I think just going back to like scene responses, like, again, I know we've been talking a lot about extrication and cribbing and stuff, but, again, keep it simple. That, that's yeah. the biggest thing, right? Like. Again, part of your windshield survey and, and as you're assessing the scene is, you know, we all want to get the tools out. We all want to get the all the out stuff do all this cool stuff. Yeah. But it might be as simple as trying that door handle, and you're like, popping, <laughs> popping a lock, yeah. you know, making yeah. sure that that battery is still connected. So try the power seat. You know, mm-hmm. what do I need? What am, What's my end goal? What's my intent? Well, we're going to need to cut them off the roof. Well, with that, if that seat's reclined all the way back, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier for extrication. Yep. So before we make it fire safe and disconnect the battery, let's power that seat back all the way. Yep. And then disconnect, right? So just little things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I had one more thing, but I can't actually quite remember what it was. We didn't right? really talk about like our like three sixties with like making sure you got like a, a line out or a extinguisher. Or even extinguisher, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a really good thing to say. Yeah. Is uh, first first driving officer or first engine. Mm-hmm. Um you know, dropping a line if you're in an engine is it, or uh, in the apparatus is great, but if you're, you know, chief or first duty officer, uh, grab a can. It's uh, doing your, your full walk around, getting that uh, 360 mm-hmm. of the scene. Uh, I mean, you don't know what, why, how until you do it. 
Um, and again, like if you walk around the other side and you see a door open, hey, maybe there's a walk away, maybe there's an injection. We have no idea. But getting that full 360. Well, it gives uh, that power too. Like if, someone, if you see a power line down, you're mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. to make the call. Yep. You go over your PA system and tell them to stay in the car. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think also back to like our, our zone, like our, our hot, warm, and cold. Like we always, we always use the terminology hot zone, warm zone, cold zone. Mm-hmm. But realistically, it's cold, warm, hot. As we're yeah. approaching, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when we're doing our 360. I'm doing my outer circle to my inner circle, right? As we're mm-hmm. approaching. This is exactly for that. Yeah. I'm looking for hazards. I'm looking for power lines. I'm looking for f- leaking fluids. I'm looking under the vehicle. I'm looking for pin people. I'm looking for extra um, ejection people. Um, you know, now I'm getting into my inner. Mm-hmm. Now I've got my extinguisher. I know I can drop it all right on that edge of that warm zone so it's still accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I'm making that patient contact case, sir, say where you are, we know we're coming to you. So back to our communications. So that's all happening as your first arriving due officer is doing that. Uh, it, that and usually elevator. like my, one of my things, as long as the vehicle's mostly safe, I'll stick my head in, put it in park, take the keys, put it on the roof. Right. Yeah, I like I like taking the keys out too. Yeah, yeah I always sure. you know I put them on the roof. I think I was watching you do that at the attack. We yeah. put the key on the roof. Mm-hmm. That way, uh, police arrive. The keys are up there, or we then everybody can see. Okay, those yeah. keys are on the roof. The car's yeah. probably not mm-hmm. gonna grab away. Yeah. 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 Don't put them in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> grab away. <laughs> I think, uh, like Todd was saying, doing that that cold, warm, hot. If you slow yourself down, especially as a, a newer officer or, or anybody, um, I find a structure fire is one thing, but MBI is completely different because there's going to be multiple people around, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times families around, other people other with families. There's, going to be, and there's just a lot of external, quote, pressures, right? So you want to act fast, but you have to be slow and thorough. I mean, quick, but mm-hmm. be thorough. So if you get in there and you're doing your your cold, uh, cold cold zone survey, get into the warm zone 360, and then now you advance again. Every one of those steps is slowing yourself down and like really forcing you to think and mm-hmm. and then uh, really adapt uh, back as well. So every time that you see something, go over the radio and let your responding crews know what you see so they're also coming in it, knowledge up. You kind of have to ignore the patient. Too. For like sure. You just, okay, I'll deal with you in a minute. Let's deal mm-hmm. with everything else. And mm-hmm. then we'll get back to you in a minute. But you're still dealing but with them. Yeah, you're, you're still dealing with them. Yeah, you're, you're still looking at them like, hey, yeah. Commands. yeah. So right. you're, uh, yeah. you know, you're not being like, oh, I'm going to help you. Yeah, don't get sucked else. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've all done that. I've yeah. done that. No, I agree, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You run in there and it's like, oh, shit, now I'm stuck by the patient. Yeah, get Pull yourself out of this thing. It's hard to get in there and then peel yourself away. Right. And that circles us right back to the windshield survey. Mm-hmm. A lot of the little stuff that we've just been talking about is already happened as you're driving out right. as part of your windshield survey. As I'm approaching that scene, I can see there's no wires down. Mm-hmm. I can see if there's fluids. I may not see the other side of that vehicle quite yet, but guess what? Half of my fucking 360 is done. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I'm already done that. Oh, yeah, no, there's only one person in that vehicle. All the windows are intact. Yeah, it doesn't look like anybody's ejected. There's no fluids. There's a lot of damage. Okay, that's done. Now all I'm doing is, hey, stay where you are. I'm walking the rest of the way to the vehicle. Yeah. Done within seconds. It's mm-hmm. very fast. Yeah. Well, then also knowing uh, what what lines are what because uh, mm-hmm. here it's like on one side of the highway is uh, is uh, telephone and cable. Mm-hmm. On the other side is electrical. So we've been in lots of calls where you know power lines even, down. Yeah, EHS yeah. is standing back. Like you can't go in there. I'm like that's cable line. That's power line. Oh, 
okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah we yeah. can see it. Like, you can see, like, that's a cable line or that's a power line, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. doesn't connect over to that pole, so we're probably good to go. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <clears throat> the uh, the one big thing that we took away from the ATAC conference was once you have done your 360s and you've got up and now you've had that assessment with the patient, the patient assessment and patient situation then dictates the speed of which you need to react and respond. Mm-hmm. So it's well that, said, yeah. you know, it's that like life over limb situation. This guy's going to die if we do not get him out of the car. A bump, a kick, like Scott was saying, that, that movement of the car, yeah, we still need mm-hmm. to crib and other people are doing that. But the speed at which we now need to move and are required to start kicking mm-hmm. ass mm-hmm. kicks up a gear. And now we go into, okay, we need to get this door off now. What's the fastest way of doing it? Not the safest. What's the fastest way to get this mm-hmm. patient out of the vehicle while trying to be safe, but we still need to get this guy out quick, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's been many scenes that I worked with you guys on. I rolled up in my work car, and I've done the triage. You guys are doing your thing, and we make our plans. Hey, this is one, this is two for yep. priorities. And then, you know, moments later... I'll have more time to assess somebody or another paramedic crew will come in yeah. and we've had to switch. Like I, I remember yeah. a couple that we've yeah. been on. Yeah. I was like, nope, change the plans. This one now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you were already pop one door or whatever and now we're doing something totally different. I, I think that's what you have to be ready to make changes at the last second. And it's not like uh, you got to get away from that idea like, well, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about because he keeps changing his mind. It's like, mm-hmm. no, he's making, um, you know, I, earlier someone mentioned Jocko like going, or the take a look around yep me. yeah mm-hmm. um you know one thing he says is is it looks like you're making quick decisions but you're literally making quick small decisions so you're not mm-hmm. you're not coming up with a whole plan right now but you're going like okay this guy is a high, a high priority mm-hmm. uh, oh maybe he's not as high priority as that guy mm-hmm. okay we're gonna switch and all the other firefighters everybody has to realize that it's not because the officer is incompetent and he's like i don't know what to do mm-hmm. it's like no he's just, he's realized oh this guy's not as bad as i thought so we're going with this mm-hmm. guy or this is situation is as bad as I thought. And don't yeah. be afraid to make that. Yeah, like, don't, don't be afraid to guess yourself, right? Yeah. You don't need to. You don't mm-hmm. need a, what is it? Uh, uh, a perfect plan executed, or a good plan executed now is better than a perfect plan executed later. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. want you want a good yeah. plan executed now. <clears throat> and that comes back to a lot of things we've said in the past too. Is is you know, so immediately you're you're prioritizing and you're executing what we're doing. But it's back to what I've mentioned before is that win principle, right? And what you have, like yeah. what's important now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the plan right now. Guess what? Two minutes, it could change. Yep. You know, we're not being indecisive. It's just, like you mentioned, Carl, they, you know, that patient's condition has changed, so now that is dictating mm-hmm. our response. Yeah. yeah, and the more information you get, just like any situation, the more information you have on a situation, on a scene, the more decisions, that, the better the decisions you can make. But mm-hmm. those decisions change in an instant, whether it's a fire, whether it's an MVI. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's just mm-hmm. the more information gathered as you go through different scenarios, yeah. the, the quicker you have mm-hmm. to be able to respond and react right. and be able to pivot and get that, get that moving in the direction that needs to happen. And I think that's already ingrained to us as firefighters and emergency responders anyways because that's every fire scene, like, Things change, and it's back mm-hmm. to what's important now. Okay, well, this is important. This is what we're dealing with now. And it kind of touched the base, which I'll talk about later, is the course we just did is, is you know, it's life safety first. You know, that's our priority. You know, then I'll be getting to the next steps mm-hmm. afterwards, right? Yeah. So. Well, does anyone have any more on that? I think we hit this pretty hard. Anyone, For sure. I think on? the only thing to wrap that conversation up is, like, now, as you have other units arriving, we still need to think about scene safety. So, cones, 
obviously the common sense things, vests, which aren't so common half the time, mm-hmm. um, is that safety stuff. So, and the other most dangerous part of the scene is once that's done is now when we're opening up traffic because people are still looky loos and they're looking at the scene and not paying attention to where the fuck they're going. Yeah. So get those cones out, have those traffic paddles out. You know, now we're, we're gearing down to change that scene and change that direction of flow of traffic, right. which is super important because we've had lots of people. I mean, Spencer whipped yeah, a fucking stop sign off that. somebody's hood because mm-hmm. he almost ran him over as well. Mm-hmm. So like, well, actually, at the same uh, at the same corner where Spencer did that, just a couple weeks ago, we had a motorcycle accident, and uh, we were watching, and uh, we could see a semi truck coming around the corner, mm-hmm. and that this is one of those incidents where we, rather than just leaving out of the paddle, we sent one of our newer guys, Glenn. We we said, here, take the duty truck, drive up. Block the road there. Yeah. Use the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you and I think Not for last of one in truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah because hopefully that truck, Trump, that truck gets hit. <laughs> but no, but it's like a guy with a paddle. Is gonna sh- is not gonna show up as much as a truck with a bunch of lights going yeah. blocked in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. So this truck came around the corner. I was like, whoa, it slowed down a lot faster than just if you just got a paddle with a stop sign. <laughs> and actually, on that too is nighttime. Watch your placement. Don't stand right by the truck with yeah. your paddle. They're not going to see you. Those lights no. are blinding, right? Yeah. You need to be a distance away so they can see you and over-exaggerate your yeah. movements with your yeah. stop sign, right? Mm-hmm. So you catch the, their attention. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so many firefighters die from getting hit by people mm-hmm. that just aren't paying attention. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's day or night, it doesn't seem to matter. Well, they're watching yeah. the lights down the street Absolutely. and then they'll see you up the street. Yeah. 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 As I'm liking the, we just send, you know, every time now, we usually just send, eight, you take the truck, go with yeah. the truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I think Scott, you're the one that mentioned earlier, knowing our scene, and we all have these little hot spots where we always get these MVAs, yeah. and we already have this kind of unwritten operational guideline for that area. We just yeah. know, hey, this truck's going to that road, that truck's going around that corner, mm-hmm. so we already know as mm-hmm. we're rolling to it. That's right. It's super important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we will close out on that, and then we will go towards actually Todd you had some training go on this weekend um what did you get up to who who was it that was doing the training we did uh training resurrected training resurrected and that yeah. was the group of guys that came down right yeah yeah two guys came in and started the company it's a zombie arm that's what it is yeah yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A zombie arm with a halligan that's yeah. it <laughs> there's just some muscle arm resurrected yeah yeah so they came in uh it was a great great little weekend um we'll touch base so they did a course with us called uh first in all alone um so these gentlemen that came in. So Sounds like a lonely weekend. <laughs> so basically, so James Johnson and Evan Clark, um, they came in, they started this company, and this particular program that they did with us was teaching what you're going to be doing on the fire scene, those immediate moments with very limited manpower. So we did a whole bunch of other little scenarios and training techniques uh, to simplify some methods, stop some myths from like fire school, from like all the... the the habits that we do in burn buildings and stuff like is not as realistic as the real world, yeah. right? So I did a lot of events like that. Then a lot of um, Sims um, today, actually, this afternoon. Um, yeah, it, was, it was good. It, was, it really reinforced a lot of um, just common sense stuff for, for departments. Like you don't need to be as particular with certain um, ladders, pl- placement, when it comes time for that limited manpower and for rescues. So mm. what's our priorities, right? So th- we did some scenarios with the three-man team where 
you know, there's somebody um, trapped in the second floor window and we got fire coming out of another door or window. And so you have three guys. So you got your officer, he's got to do his scene size up. You got one person stretching a line and one person throwing a ladder because our priority is that patient. Right? We've got to yeah. get that victim out first. Um, and again, it's low manpower. So we're doing single people throwing uh, a ladder up, extension ladder, um, doing that rescue. Um, and then as soon as that officer's kind of done his role, he can go up and back him up. And then as soon as they're out, now we're into that fire attack, right? So we're still getting water on the fire as soon as possible. However, the victim is number one. Yep. So we deal with that, get the water on, then we're <clears throat> breaching doors. And there's lots lots of little techniques and tips and tricks um, that you learn over the years. It was, it was a good course. I like the fact that you were saying you just throw the ladder, like just put it up. doesn't matter if it's... Upside down, not upside down, but if it's, if it's flipped over the wrong yeah. way, if, it, if it's the angle is off, yeah, um, so you know, it doesn't matter, just put it up there because you know the victim is going to be coming out of that, uh, coming out of that window probably, anyways. Exactly. So, the one thing we really talked about was like anything in the fire service, everything is so orally rated, oh, yeah. right? Strength yeah. ratings and stuff, and safety ratings. So, you know, so our, our <coughs> general extension ladder it's rated for 3,000 pounds. So, you know, throw it up there when you're doing it by yourself. You know, which way is your fly going to be facing? Well, you know, you want it inward so your halyard is on the outside as, as you're raising because there's one guy doing it. You know, <coughs> yeah. I'm not going to sit there and tie it off. Like, this is this is time. We need to get up there. Mm-hmm. And the second you throw that ladder up to that windowsill to get for that person, they're not going to wait for you to, oh, hang on, I need to position it or I need to get a rung below or they're going right right right. to <clears throat> grab that ladder instantly right, yeah. and, and try and get out. So... Throw that ladder up. It's not going to be that perfect 75 degrees. You know, 60 degree angle is great as long as you got it based. You can climb it all day long. Mm-hmm. So, just, again, just very common sense stuff. Um, killing a lot of myths with things and, and still doing it safely. But um, making you think outside the box of well, what is safe, right? So, it was yeah. good. Nice. And we were talking. We wanna, we're going to get them on for an interview. <coughs> yeah, I think it's a great idea. Have them on and then maybe, again, just be able to break those myths to everybody else and, and we can have a bit of a conversation about it and see what uh, see what value we can get out of them as well. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll get a hold of James and set that up. Sweet. That'd be great. Uh, any more for any more, gentlemen? It's a gooder. Mm-hmm. We're an hour in. There you go. Uh, let's get through the shout outs nice and quick. So, Ash, uh, or uh, we'll start with uh, Scott with Motus. No, do it, yeah, no. It always ends up being Ash anyway. No, you. <laughs> so, Ash, what do you think about Motus? I put red hat. Oh, actually, Todd put the Motus uh, wedges to the test. Yeah, we put the Motus wedges to the test today on the uh, forcible entry door, the steel frame door. And uh, yeah, they worked awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I think you found the same thing. So, I beat the shit out of mine many mm-hmm. times with our door as well. And aluminum over steel door. You know uh, which one's going to be. Tip bends a bit. It's going to be works. a little yeah. uh, malleable. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just bent it back. And I probably bent it three or four times. It works great. Yeah. Um, beat the shit out of it. And it's, it's still wedged. So, yeah. um, I guess I'll just see more. <laughs> yeah. Scott wins again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just accept the fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, they've got their wedges. Um, They've got their hydrant wrench, which is super awesome. Uh, they've got their uh, shop knife. Uh, coming out with a bunch of other stuff right now as well. But uh, obviously their claim to fame is still going to be the um, the old snagger tool, yep. which uh, I think we all love. We play with it. It's got a lot of uh, 
a lot of cool tricks that you that you can do with the hose handling, hose advancement. Um, you can, I think Scott's always saying you can hang your coat from it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think I've actually ever done, but right, <laughs> but you can, but you but can. You can. <laughs> um, yeah, we we've, we've been working with these guys uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, really happy with the uh, relationship that we built. Uh, if you are interested in picking up some of their product, which you should be, uh, DTFF five gets you five percent off your order. Yep, yep, yep. I think they're doing a right now. There's a Black Friday sale going on for sure. Oh. It might be over by the time <laughs> this airs, but oh, yeah, very convenient. Well, actually, I'll show in our deputy chief oh. Tyler um, what I got from them, and uh, he really likes it. So he yeah. wants me to get a price on a bunch of stuff from them. Nice hydro wrench. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. I want to try that hydro wrench as well, um, and get get the snagger mm-hmm. as well. I don't have the snagger, so yeah. But yeah, the wedges and the mini spanners worked awesome this weekend. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, I can't. We'll, we'll like, uh, talk about that after. I'll, I'll get you directly in contact with them. Right? Yeah, because we're talking about fitting the department with them. So. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's larger. yeah. Anything larger like that, you should. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hydro wrench for that. It, mm-hmm. it is still. Plus well, beauty. I love that thing. We're just going to get it. We're going to build our new truck specifically around. Specifically around. around. <laughs> 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 There'll be a special place on the in the custom cab port. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. love it. Uh, yeah, so uh, like it's a DTFF five, and uh, yeah, you can grab one of those. Um, Stop the bleed. Stop the bleed. Org. Yeah. Um, oh, we were talking about with it earlier. Yeah, um, yeah very important to um, learn how to deal with massive hemorrhage. <laughs> Um, not just in emergency service stuff, but just everyday life, um, whether out on, on dirt bikes, biking, hiking, hunting, all the mm-hmm. above, right? So direct pressure, wound packing skills, and tourniquet application. Mm-hmm. Really focus on carrying a tourniquet on the person, right? Out of the wrapper, as Dr. Nick says, or else you owe him a beer. Um, and yeah, just uh, if you become an instructor and you want to see the content, we have it on our YouTube and our Facebook um, yeah, go on there and check it out. And the trick is making those high fidelity sims like make them realistic and fun, and and get out there and practice with them because the the course content is, is pretty straightforward. Um, but where you really get that value is having a, a instructor who really knows the the myths with it. What you know to, to crack those myths and then get out there and train. It's funny. Last week, um, Ash and I got asked to uh, assist. Two of our fellow firefighters in, uh, mm-hmm. in retrieving a, a moose that they shot. And we, you know, when Nash first asked me to come out, I was like, oh, okay, no problem. I'm thinking it's like, it's like 10 minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half drive later in the snow. <laughs> we get up in the woods and then we find these guys and they're like, yeah, we got to hike in another what, half a mile in there. And yeah. Okay. Over like logs and trees. And then they got, we got like chainsaws and we're, um, Kevin's out there like cutting the thing apart. And I'm like, Ugh. I, cause I didn't, I just, I grabbed my hunting bag, but I didn't like check to see if I had anything. I'm like, I don't know if I have a tourniquet on me, and, but I carry so many tourniquets on me at all times anyway. So I'm just like, oh, it's one in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just that natural thing now. It's like, you know, it's like you're not carrying your wallet on you. I got, I always got a tourniquet on me. Yeah. I tell you, it's important. So my hunting bag, I always carry one now as well. Yeah. And Again, I feel like a failure as a medic because all these years <laughs> I never, <laughs> never carried anything like that in any of our, our hunting packs in the past. But now I do. And then sure enough, when we got our moose a while yeah. back, <laughs> the first 30 seconds into 
the story that's going to get graphic with people that aren't hunters we're gutting it. Well, I cut my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always you that cut yourself. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm leaking like a sieve. And it was very convenient for me. So my buddy Mitch had to end up finish gutting it. So I got mm. out of the dirty job. <laughs> <laughs> he still thinks I did it on purpose. Yeah, ignition. Us. Uh, uh, well, I think Todd should talk about Ignition. He just uh, had some hands-on with oh, the, uh, the yeah, so C-Rat. Uh, Even the, uh, the guys out. knew a little bit about it. So Yeah, yeah. so we pulled the C-Rat out, uh, chatting with the boys there from uh, Training Resurrected. And um, they have uh, same kind of contacts we have in Seattle as well with Jason and whatnot. So uh, they just hadn't seen it yet. So mm-hmm. I pulled it out. We played with it at, at our hall. Uh, works great. Um, I'm going to leave it hanging in my locker there so everybody can kind of play with it. And, and the officers mm-hmm. can play with it. And go from there but yeah the seattle rapid access tool um works great for all your passive entry um anything where like most kind of industrial setting doors and stuff not necessarily residential um yeah that's that's the swiss army knife of soft entry it's all in one for sure firefighter proof yeah Yeah. fits in your pocket Mm. yeah yeah uh gtff 2020 for a discount code on that. Um, for the next month. <laughs> one more month and then you're out. Um, I was saying, I was chatting with Todd last night. Um, one of the really cool things, we had a, uh, a strange alarm activation call, uh, which turned out to be a medical call. Um, and uh, one of our guys, uh, Jay, he, he wasn't as familiar with the tool yet, but he knew what it was for. Uh, just wasn't quite familiar on when what sort of doors it was going to be useful on. He even said, hey, do you have that fancy Seattle tool on you? And I'm like, ah, we do. This is recently? But Yeah, just oh. the other day. Yeah. So he was asking for it. And I'm like, ah, you know, I love to hear that you're thinking about it, but it doesn't work on a resi door. And he's like, oh, okay. But uh, yeah. Boom! Yeah, but that does. But the irons do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, awesome that the guys are getting like all all of this new equipment uh, that we've been training with is now on like in in their minds that they want to put it to use. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Scott. What? Tanner. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. getting away with it completely. Tanner Olson Band, <laughs> um, country music out of Vancouver area. They are doing some live shows, and they're quite often on YouTube doing, um, like, YouTube Live, I guess. Uh, you can check them out on Spotify. Hopefully, we'll have them out someday. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day in the future, <clears throat> we finally decide to get everybody together for Firepalooza. Mm-hmm. One day. One day. It's looking more like 2021. <laughs> uh, I know you do it. You do it. That's um, right. That's right. <laughs> more time to get... Better cool stuff. More time yeah. to build mm-hmm. those cooler big. Oh, we're really gonna have to blow something. We're gonna, we're gonna need to blow up more than one thing. Yeah, some big. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, It's two years in the way now. Like there's a lot of stuff we gotta blow up. <laughs> <laughs> does our budget get twice as big? If we, <laughs> I think it does. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then <clears throat> you have us. So obviously, uh, we've been uh, we've been doing this for uh, around two years, I think. Over two, two and a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, coming on our third year, 
and uh, <clears throat> we love doing it. We absolutely love doing it. Um, we love giving out this information. Again, we never claim to be the know-all and be-all and end-all of all this information. This is just stuff that works for us. This is the way that we figured things out. Um, we find tactics. We work with them. We see what works for us. We take pieces of other things. We put it together and we make it so that it becomes a tactic that is um, is functional. And uh, being able to spread that knowledge and seeing how everybody is taking that on board and giving back to us now as well. We're getting more and more people reach out. We're getting more and more subscribers, more people that we're actually building relationships with through messenger mm. conversations, through phone calls now. You know, it's it's really turned into this fire family that we talk about. And that fire family sure. is extended out across the world. Mm. Uh, and we are extremely grateful for everybody that takes the time and makes the effort to listen, comment, reach out and say hi, send us posts and information. It's, it's great. It's fantastic. I, I know personally, like I, I create relationships with these people as well. I talk to them mm -hmm. quite often through Facebook and things. Yep. It is awesome to have these people out there. Um, they have been not only following us from the beginning, but people that have jumped on board now that are still asking and commenting. This, this, this whole episode actually came from a comment on our last episode post on Facebook That's right. because somebody wanted a bit more information. So we hope that we hit the nail on the head for you or at least gave you some things to think about today. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you do want to follow us a little bit more, if you do want to check into what we are getting into and what we have got up to, you can check us out on YouTube. Our subscriber pages uh, is definitely, our, our, uh, our subscriber numbers are definitely going up there. So we greatly appreciate that. Um, and then obviously you can follow us on Facebook, which I'm sure a lot of people already are. That's where our large majority of our audience is. Scott. And while you're here, I would like to do a shout out, even though you already posted it, uh, to the Aussie Dr. Seuss himself. Yes. Uh, Mr. Marshall Bass. <laughs> so uh, Marshall, I don't know, is he just starting, they're just starting to use a Cleveland role or are they been using it for some I don't time? know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not too sure. sure. No, Marshall, um, they probably had it on the bike because it's, it's a far street line, right? Yes. Like, and roll. And so this is how he teaches the, the, the rookies um, to remember the Cleveland roll because it's slightly different than, uh, I mean, it's different than a donut roll, different than a lot of things. Inside is out and outside is in. Spread it and fill it before you begin. <laughs> That's exactly how you use a clue. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but this is, these are the kind of relationships we build with these different types of people. You know, the stuff and the information that we've got from the people outside of our inner circles of just the straight fire family mm. is phenomenal. And we've changed and built trucks and designed different lays and all sorts from that. So, <laughs> Damn it, Todd. <laughs> but uh, we greatly appreciate it. So if you would and you do have the time, please um, comment, give us a rating on whatever app you are using to uh, drop the now. bomb, man. Hello, <laughs> warrior. <laughs> he tried kicking you out before we started. It didn't happen. <laughs> you got gunshot now. We're at the end. Um, we appreciate it. So please head over and subscribe to the YouTube pages. Uh, comment and give us a, uh, a rating on the app that you're listening to. Greatly helps us get to the top of the list. You can hear more from Todd then. And uh, <laughs> if any of you want to come on for a chat, if any of you have anything that you would like to bring up or anything that you would like us to discuss, please let us know. Drop us a comment. Drop us a message. PM, uh, PM us and we're, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a chat. We'll figure out. Any more for any more, gents? <clears throat> no. Sir. Speak up, top. Thank you, guys. Let's <laughs> go. Good night. Ash. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. <laughs> <laughs>